Welcome to our Indie Street Chat. The members of Bloodhound Picks and an occasional guest give their no BS experiences with current aspects of the industry. We at Bloodhound Picks owe a lot to how we got started and our promotion because of the site Ginger Nuts of Horror, and more specifically the site's creator, Jim McLeod. Now, we've spoken with Jim through email or social media or chat for several years now as we've been writing for his site and kind of having this online community relationship like many of us in the horror community do. But this is the first time that I actually got to sit down and chat with him and interview him. And we got to kind of talk about what it's like owning an independent horror review site in the modern age and all the things that come with it. So I had a lot of fun. It was great finally officially meeting Jim, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a long time coming, so it's great to finally chat with you. Hey, my pleasure, Craig. We're really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, um... So before we kind of get into everything, uh, if you want to talk about kind of how you got started, your upbringing, and moving into then how you ended up creating the site Ginger Nuts of Horror. Jeez, oh, that's a long story. Um, I, mean, I was born and raised in St. Andrews, the home of golf, a very tiny, tiny, well, certainly when, when I was growing up, a much small town with, with one tiny little bookshop. University, obviously, you know, a big, much bigger city, and, and they actually had a small um, 
comic books shop, bookshop in this weird sort of indoor market at the top of a shopping centre, and, and they had all these books from America, and that's really where I started to, uh, to, to devour horror. I just, you know, went on for a few years, and then um, the actual setting up of the site, that's just another very weird sort of long story. I'd, um, I'd broken a bone in my hand seven years prior to knowing that I'd broken the bone in my hand. And by the time I realised that I'd done this massive surgery where I had to remove basically all the bones from my hand in the first sort of inch, two inches of the radius and all that, seize it together, get myself a bone graft. So I was off work for about 12, 14 weeks. And I was a a member of this, I think it was called the British Horror Novels Forum, you know, back in the days before. I don't even know my space was on the go there, certainly not Facebook. And there's a lot of British horror authors there, and I just I joined that and started chatting away to them. And it was really me who suggested that I do these weird, never-ending sort of interviews on the forum where anyone could sort of jump in and join in and take part. And these, you know, these, these were just massive pages of me chatting away to all these British authors. And... Um, must have been a good few months of that. I think Willie suggested I should just do that myself. You know, set up my own site and do it. So I set it up as a joke. I had no intention of it ever being um, serious or becoming anything. And, uh, God, what, 12, 13 years later, here I am now with the Ginger Nuts of Horror. And even then, the, the name was set up as a joke. Yeah. It was, you know, I often wonder, should... Should I have a, you know, slightly more, would decide to take it more seriously and maybe a bigger reach if it had a serious name, but I, I don't know, I, I think it's fine where it is, to be honest. I mean, I think it helps kind of set things apart, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, yeah. It's, certainly, it's certainly got its own brand, I mean, certainly now with the, with the Tartan being released, we can, it's certainly got its own unique identity now out there. So that actually kind of brings up a, a great question about the the site and that you something I always um, you know admired especially you know, that I've been able to write for the site and we've kind of worked together over several years now I can't remember how long but um, is that you're very much about keeping it purely independent and kind of love to hear um, the reasons why for that and. Or 
crew and you know an independent publisher and all that then, then just don't do it because you, you, you're not reviewing books you're, you're basically laying the groundwork for you to make money and it's not about that it's it's about being honest and as soon as you bring money into it you just can't be honest i don't care what anyone says if your website is there to make money for you money won't We'll, we'll muddy the words. It will change your attitude towards the stuff that you're reading. Yeah. No, I, I mean, um, I'll normally look at, of course, you know, films and stuff like that. But you, know, you see that, I think, with a lot of these, a lot of bigger companies in the States where it's kind of, they'll promote these grand kind of gift basket, baskets that they got from, you know, the studio and then they'll uh-huh. talk about the movie, and you know, I, I agree completely that you kind of wonder, well, how much can you actually say if you damn Yeah, I mean, you, know, you look at some... Uh, oh, I don't want to name names, and I certainly don't want to be, you know, seen as, oh, uh, here he goes again. But <laughs> you, you look at some big magazines, and they review films, and you then watch that film, and you go, Really? And you wonder, is that to get the advertising company from the, the actual production studio, or is, is, is it even stuff like, you know, getting the exclusive, the first the first news item, the first interview, the first actual review of the film, are you just, are you doing this just to basically keep ahead of everyone else and make some money, or are you actually doing it because you enjoy what you do, and, and, and I, I seriously question a lot of things when I see, when I watch films or read books, you know, this. It's weird as you've got your Stephen Kings and your, you know, your uh, Robert McCammons and, and all that, and your Joe Hills. And I, I get personal taste comes into it, and there is there is a line on a graph where personal taste stays above that. Is it good or is it not bad, or if it's a, is it bad line, and it will cross it. But then there's there's a subsection of authors. So I, I I'm not going to name names here, but I call the untouchables, and they're the ones that are about to break through into that sort of Stephen King, Joe Hill sort of level of popularity in sales. And there are so many people who review them, their books, and, and, and they're untouchable. It's five-star, eight-star reviews over and over and over again. And yet there's a small group of us in the reviewing community who've read them and go, it's crap. <laughs> it's just all about that one great book. And then I'm going through the, the drawer that, you know, <laughs> at the bottom drawer of their office desk of ideas that basically didn't take off. Shit, I need to get another book written quickly. Right, I'll just pop this one through and there you go. And so, as again, it's just like, you know, they, it's, they want to write the tales, you know, so if this person becomes really famous and really big, they've shown that they've been a fan and a supporter of them right from the beginning. We'll get the exclusive, we'll get the first review of your book and all that. And it's... it's Maybe I'm being a cynic, I don't know, because I'm a natural-born cynic, I, I always look through everything, but it's getting quite depressing now, and I think it's because the genre is so small, there's, there's so little money for the authors themselves, yeah. there's so little exposure for the people on our end of, this, of the, the actual coin, our side of the coin, that everyone's for the, the little, little exclusive, that little bit of, look at me, I've got this, I've got this, and... It's quite to be honest. No, I yeah, I could see that completely, and I know um, it kind of brings up an interesting point of you know authors like because there is that 
difference, at least in the States. I know I've heard you talk about it with authors like Stephen King, where in the States he is, you know, the horror writer type of thing, and that, you know, it's because he relates to the uh, small-town America so well. Uh There's kind of all these elements, and, you know, I remember hearing you talk about Stephen King of that, like, there's this recognize that you recognize that he is a talented writer, but it just over or in the UK it doesn't hit the same way that he hits over here. But then he's also kind of because of his fan base, you can't necessarily in the same way certain filmmakers are, you can't criticize Stephen a Stephen King book, even if it's yeah. Not uh, yeah, I mean, I'll never deny that he's fantastic writer. Looking for him, the genre wouldn't be where it is, but for me, his writing just doesn't speak to me. It's like the Beatles, you know, I don't like the Beatles. If the Beatles come on the radio, I'll switch channels, but I would never deny that they're fantastic musicians. They've written some fantastic songs. It just, it's a subject that I'm fascinated by. I, I, probably not the word, but like what I call it tribalism. I, I would love to go back to university study why you think this is amazing and I hate it. Doing oh, things like why you say find this, you know, this woman is exceedingly attractive, and every time you see her, your heart melts. And I look at her and go, really? They're, 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 I would love to understand the psychological process, you know, because I, I think it's fascinating. You know, even you, know, you go back to the days, you know, there was like, you know, love to see her, you know, you probably do see it on the internet these days, but you know, the whole thing, you know, Beatles fans, yeah. and over the UK, it was, um, what was it, take that versus, um, Boys own. Okay. You know, the letters to, you know, like magazines and all that saying, oh, take that, fans are stupid and idiots and all this stuff. It, it was fantastic to watch. And I would love to know what drives us and what splits us. And at what point do we become, you know, we, we agree on something. It's, I would love to go back and study that, but <laughs> that's a long, long way off. Yeah. Uh, it, um, that, I mean, that is really fascinating. I think what, when I was coming up, because, I think when, yeah, when I was in elementary or probably later than that, but middle school, high school, or whatever, the big ones were, what is it, people arguing over, I think it was the rise of the boy bands or the girl groups or whatever. So it was like Insane uh-huh. versus Backstreet Boys for. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, uh, when you look at it, it's the most stupid thing to actually argue and for all of that, but every generation does it, and yeah. you know, there must be a reason why, why we're like that. Yeah. No, it, exactly. Um, so that's, I mean, kind of, so with all that, here, let me look at my notes a little bit, but, like, and so I know that, sorry, so I know that has kind of gotten you into, what, the, the social media, I don't even know if you want to call them battles, if you want to call them, I don't know if they're debates. They're probably not debates with certain types of people because they're not really willing to listen. But, you know, you are kind of a, as I spoke before, an advocate for reviewers, and you've always been very supportive, and you've been um, kind of really held your ground with a lot of stuff because I think especially in, you know, while people... Before, it seemed like they were, as you were saying, fighting over what band was better. Now, it's like you have this fan base online that if you say anything towards the thing they like, 
it becomes hostile in a way where, you know, they make fake accounts, where they harass, where they do all this stuff. And I kind of really like to hear about it from your take because you're, you know, very much in it in terms of, you know, kind of battling for these independent reviewers and these other people. My biggest problem is I'm sort of your cliched, angry, red-headed Scotsman, and I cannot stand any form of injustice. You know, even the silly, even at work, I get, I get annoyed. You know, I see one person who's doing, you know, 20% of the work that everyone else is doing, that annoys the crap out of me because I'm all about fairness and seeing things that are unfair. And when you see these authors who, and this is going to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm a real asshole, and, and, I'm, and I'm not, it's just, it's the passion in me coming out, and, and if I'm, people think I'm an asshole, then that's fine, I'm an asshole, it, it, does, it doesn't matter, I don't care, but ever since, I, I call it like, I don't know if you, you must have in America, the, the X Factor, or you know, like America's Got Talent, that this, this obsession where you can get instant fame for the minimum amount, of, minimum amount of talent or the minimum amount of work. Yeah. And it's this feeling that every horror author, well, not every you know, one, the ones that tick off and the ones that attack these reviewers, it's like, it almost like feels so like, how dare you criticize anything that I do? And it's like, look, not everyone should write, but there's people, I've been sent manuscripts by authors who, who shouldn't be allowed to write a shopping list, let alone a bloody novel. And nobody tells them this. This is, you know, it's like, how what be the editor that actually goes up to even Stephen King and say, look, mate, you, you need to cut 500 words from this story. You know, you, you can imagine them definitely dressed up in like a, a suit of armor with Kevlar, body plates on the top because I don't even think he would take it that well yeah. and when you see them attacking you know, if you send your book out for an honest review and you get an honest review then you just have to take that review on the chin and deal with it not everyone's going to like this stuff you know I'll keep going back to Stephen King but every single one of his books has got a range of reviews from five stars to one star it's just the nature as I said you know people like things people don't it's, it's the nature of humanity and if, if you can't handle that then you shouldn't be right. You certainly shouldn't be sending your books out in a public forum. Now, to attack a reviewer, it's just, uh, oh my God. You know, I, I've, I've given, I've given people my address because, you know, they said, I'm going to do this to this reviewer. I says, well, here's my address because I think your book's shit as well. Come and deal with me. Yeah. And, you know, with well, all these internet bullies, they're a bunch of chickens. They'll never actually do anything like that. A few years ago, there was a, a female reviewer who stays a couple of miles down the road, up the road from me, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we both reviewed this book. Both ripped it to parts. And he actually drove all the way up from England and attacked her at work with a bottle of wine. Now, he actually, I think, physically had to drive past the street up to my house. And my address is on the website. And he knew about my review, but, oh, no, he's not going to come near me because, you know... <laughs> I'm a big angry Scotsman. I'm not some small, you know, some small female. I mean, that, 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 it just oh, angers me. And it's the self-importance of these people. And, you know, just just deal with it. Reviews are not for authors or publishers. They're for the readers. Yeah. And yes, you get you get you get hatchet jobs, but 
You can tell the difference between a proper review and a hatchet job. Anyone with an ounce of intelligence can understand that. I mean, I, I, there was a reviewer, uh, sorry, an author who was getting annoyed because uh, I think they got a one-star review and then the reviewer mentioned something about, oh, God, it's a gay black lead character. Now, the people who agree with that reviewer would never buy that book anyway, and if they did buy that book, they're probably going to leave another one-star review because that's the nature of, you know, these inbred people that, that they are. Yeah. So, no one, that review means nothing. No one's going to pay any attention to it. And if, if anything, the people who are looking for books that contain a character like that, they're going to read that one-star review and go, oh, that's the only reason why it's got a one-star review. They've never actually mentioned the, the actual writing. They're going to hit the click inside, look inside the thing on Amazon, read it, and probably buy that book. So rather than taking a social media to rip apart something which isn't a review, it's just an opinion of, you know, an idiot. Yeah. Just, just write it out. Things, things, life has a way of balancing out. Yeah, I mean, that's very inter and interesting, and it's one of those things that I, in a sense, we follow each other on social media, and I, I always see these big debates, but since I'm never in the, the book world... I guess I'm always, you know, the person looking in the window at what's at some chaos that's happening next of, you know, some, and it's mostly, as you mentioned, it's um, women reviewers that are the ones being targeted. It doesn't ever seem like they're, you know, these authors or these fans or whoever, they're targeting men for the most part, you know. That I've, you know, I've yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's a perceived notion that they're, you know, they're weaker than us, they're an easy target. I mean, I mean, I was, I had, I was, I had a real, real bad attack against me. God, I can't even remember how many years ago it was. And I gave a big, in my opinion, a justified, I think it was two-star review, and it, it was bad. And the author, um, got their fans in her frenzy and that was in the days where if you review on Amazon your Amazon reviewer ranking meant something yeah. like if you're in the top 100 you actually got invited to review some pretty cool stuff I, I got you know like I got sent one of those uh, Roomba vacuum cleaners oh, yeah. before you know with, when they were just coming out it was you know I got a pair of bicycle lights for I think they were like 200 pounds free of charge to review. Because now, you know, I would never take books or anything like that, but, you know, I thought, yeah, I'll use Amazon reviewer ranking to, to get some cool free stuff. And they went through and downvoted every single one of my, like, 600 reviews uh, out of that time on Amazon. And that dropped my reviewer ranking from something like, uh, I was in the top 100 down to top 50,000. And, you know, constant links to porn sites on the website in the comments section and just constant spam emails attack attack and attack and it's horrible because there's, there's nothing you could physically do to to you know you know email like he emailed amazon and says oh, come on this this happened in the space of two days you know hundred down votes that, that's not natural that's a, that's a that's obviously an attack but you know they wouldn't do anything yeah. and it got to the stage where the publisher actually pulled the book from sale until the author got their fans to you know calm the hell down and stop doing that 
And it was it was horrible. It's, you, you feel lost. You feel alone. You feel like there's nothing you can do. That everything that you worked for is getting slowly but surely hammered away from you. So yeah, it's, it's horrible. But they keep doing it, and they don't. You know, they just don't get it. And, and what's worse, I think, is it's not the authors attacking other authors. It's it's reviewers having to go other reviewers, and and this constant backbiting. And I'll admit, I, I have been drawn into this myself on, on a good few occasions. There's a huge one going around at the moment, and it's it's awful to watch. You know, friendships from on my side have been lost. You know, there's authors that I have been lifelong friends with on my sort of online social career and sending me on Twitter and whatnot because of this. But the flip side is there's people who I thought absolutely despised me are now actually chatting to me and it's and we all realise that we've we've all been kind of played in one big puppet bastard on there, you know, the sort of person that actually has a go at other female reviewers because they have to show a bit of cleavage on their Instagram videos when they're or pictures when they're, you know, showing books and all that. I mean it's just like how dare anyone criticize another reviewer? For the pictures, you know, it's, it's like, oh, is it body shaming? It probably is body shaming yeah. and stuff like that. It's just like, come on. But you know what? If, if, if you don't like me, if you don't like my big gobby mouth, that basically <laughs> I should probably learn to shut up every now and once, every once in a while, then, you know, it's, yeah, it bothers me for a bit. Then I think, you know what, that there's, there's more to life than this, isn't there? Yeah. Well, um... So that actually kind of gets into a. We'll talk about the workings, I guess, the workings of the site and kind of all of the um, logistics that happen in a bit. But I know because of this, a lot of people, you know, there's this mentality, I think, when you're first starting out and stuff. And I know I had it at some point where, you know, it's like that has to be your entire focus if you're you know, want to write horror, about horror movies, whatever, that's all you watch, that's all you do, and, you know, you're very much about, you know, you'll take your, I know you take your dog on a walk where you, and you basically tune out, and I, I remember um, that I, you know, relating to the, seeing that because it's something that I do the same, where I either take my dog on a long walk or I even go on long walks at least once a day or something just to decompress, and it is kind of that, element that you know you can love the genre you can kind of dedicate your life to it but you also need to be able to detach yourself oh yeah yeah you have you have to think of yourself first i mean i i've burnt myself out so many times and to be honest i'm probably at the point where i'm getting burnt out again because it does and you a lot of it stems from, from having anxiety. And you, you think you're doing the right thing. Like, if I'm off on a Sunday, it's the only day that I've got off with the family, so I try and do nothing on the site, not even answer emails, just have a complete day away. But then you feel guilty because you... And stress out because when you open up your email the next day and you see there's God knows how many emails that you've not answered, so you think, oh, I've not got a fight to do this. And it just it builds up. And, and But you, you do, you have to just... Like, you know, I've deleted all messengers and, and DM thingies from my phone. Um, so when I'm on the bus to and from work, I, all I can do is either read a book or watch YouTube videos or something. I either listen to music or something. I just, just completely chill out. 
And it's the same when I go, go walking with a dog. Everything's switched off on the phone, apart from, you know, four or five phone numbers that, that, that I actually need to have in cases of, you know, some family emergency. Other than that, I'm completely uncontactable on the phone unless I actually take the phone out and switch it on and, 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 and muck about with it. And, and you need to do that because if you don't, you just... It's, it's too much. It's, 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 you know, it's the modern life. It's a digital world. You, you're, you're never, you know... You're never away from anything or anyone. It's like I had an argument with um, my manager at work because he wanted my mobile number. And I said, you have my house number. That's all you need. No, I need your mobile number. He says, no, you don't. According to our terms of contract, you only need one number to contact me on. I'm not Batman. I don't need to be contacted 24 hours a day. I don't because I had it with a previous manager. You know, like two texts a day, every day. Can you come in early? Can you do this? And, and it, it's... It, it's, it's I look at it as a form of sort of passive-aggressive bullying, and I told him, you're, you're not getting it. And he tried to get someone else to give it to me, and I says, if you do that again, I'll be taking you upstairs to HR, because this is, you're just not getting it. You have my house number. If I'm asleep, you can leave a message, and I'll answer it when I get up. So, and it's the same, you know, it's just, to me, social media and just modern life, it's the same thing. It's easy. You need to find ways to completely and utterly detox yourself, even if it's once a week or an hour a day. You, 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 need, you need your own sort of version, version of an isolation tank, otherwise you just you just drive yourself crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting know, seeing some of these because, you know, um, that having a child and all that for myself too, it's interesting seeing a lot these other independent companies that are doing this and they're just on, it's like they're posting constantly and, you know, it's working for them in that way. But there's that part for me of seeing it and be like, how does, how do you, can you even sustain that? But I guess, you know, because they're younger or because whatever. Um, but it's like from 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. It seems like they're posting constantly or they're doing something or some, you know, something or another. <laughs> Did you ever watch the week that American comedy sitcom about the um, uh, fantasy football league in America? There, there was oh, a yeah. character in it who always had, was it Stinker Tinker time, where he tinkered with his lineup when he was on the toilet. Well, a lot of my social media time is Stinker Tinker time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, if I'm downstairs, yeah, I mean, you, you always do have your you're sort of flicking through while you're watching something. Like today, all I've done is basically sit and watch reruns of Bones and occasionally skim through Twitter and Facebook, but it's a day where you, you know, you kind of need that. You kind of need to just take your time back. Bloodhound Picks Podcast is part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Produced by Josh Lee, Craig Drum, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond Seed. Editing by Kyle Hintz.